Welcome to Feminine, the podcast dedicated to the feminine lens on mental health, the healing arts, and spirituality. My name is Priscilla Alexandra Hine, and I am a licensed practitioner of the healing arts and licensed clinical social worker in the state of California. full moon in Taurus, my beautiful church. I'm blessed to be here with you today. My apologies on the delay in uploading this episode. Uh, The full moon in Taurus this time around has been a bit taxing on my body. I have been exhausted and genuinely needed a break. Um, And I, I I really didn't know if I would even recover. To be honest, I was nauseous and vomiting yesterday and had flu-like symptoms. So uh, it was pretty dramatic and intense and out of nowhere, but I um, connected it to the treatment that I've been doing for my complex post-traumatic stress disorder, which I've talked to you very candidly on this podcast about uh, connected to church, which is ultimately linked to uh, colonization and um, really just with the Salem witch trials, which I can expand for you at some point, but ultimately that's uh, really what ended up happening to me. <clears throat> Anyways, so as a little witch who made it out <laughs> of um, that uh, modern day experience, I um, n- now get um, we work on my own post-traumatic stress disorder and there is something that I've been utilizing the past couple of weeks called EMDR. I've been working with an incredible LCSW in Riverside. Thank you so much, Julie, for your amazing work and the incredible space that you've held for me. I am beyond grateful to you. I've received EMDR treatment in the past, but my brain chemistry wasn't really ready for it the way that it has been this time around. And my body has been responding to uh, the treatment profoundly and so I share this with you because one I want you know it's so funny to me I can hear people saying aren't you supposed to be a therapist you know I I get I get you I get shit like that a lot like aren't you supposed to be like really stable um yeah I am a therapist I do work as a therapist and I'm I'm pretty stable. (laughs) Um, You know, I've talked about it in the past. I don't want to say I'm very stable because I don't think very stable people need to say that, but I'm (laughs) pretty stable. And I I go to therapy. And I also have, um, well, I believe almost fully recovered from post-traumatic stress disorder at this point, but have been enduring the trials that come with that um, by choice because I want to remain stable. And a large part of being in the mental health field and helping people with their mental health is keeping your own mental health in check. So yes, to those who like to criticize um, those of us who are flawed yet public about it, I am stable, or excuse me, I am a therapist. who has been receiving quite a bit of treatment around post-traumatic stress disorder, complex post-traumatic stress disorder at that, um, surrounding a very painful church experience that happened to me uh, a while ago and just really resulted in a lot of confusion and um, 
if if I had not chosen to journey that, I wouldn't be here to be able to talk to you about it in the manner in which I am. So I highly encourage everyone go to therapy. And if you have a complex or severe trauma of any kind, look into EMDR. I can't assure you that it's going to help you the way that it has been helping me. I've been doing an extensive amount of work on myself, which again, I've mentioned I have the luxury and the tools accessible to me to do that. Um, so my brain chemistry is really ready for EMDR and it's really difficult work. It's, um, it's, oh, when I tell you it's difficult, it's extremely difficult and you have to be really ready for it. And in the past I thought I was ready and, you know, was processing a few things from childhood, but this time around it's come full circle and it's been really interesting juxtaposing that with this full moon because, um, I just, well, each moon, by the way, which feminine follows the lunar cycle for a reason, right? Um, we are as beings, our emotions are connected to the moon. And um, if you are a person who bleeds, you either bleed on the new moon or the full moon, you may bleed in between. But ideally, if our hormones are balanced, we want to bleed on the new moon or the full moon. Um, some of us switch in between. I've switched from new moon and full moon throughout the years. Sometimes I'll bleed on a new moon. Sometimes I'll bleed on a full moon the next month. But either way, my body will respond to the moon accordingly. So this past moon, uh, or this moon, this full moon, I was in an incredible amount of pain and um, exhausted, incredibly exhausted. I believe it is also connected to the EMDR treatment, but just detoxing tremendously. So I needed to take a little bit of a break and didn't think I'd make an episode, but alas, here I am. So now that you know about my bleeding cycle and my EMDR treatment, um, I'm sure you're super excited to know what else is in store for you. <laughs> um, thank you so much for being here with me. Feminine is a really sacred space. And guess what? We bleed. And that makes us really spe special and beautiful. Women bleed, okay? And that's a huge part of our magic. We have to die every single month. It's a really important thing. Um, ladies and feminine identifying beings, if you are bleeding, uh, or even masculine identifying beings who do bleed, be mindful that that is a time for you to not engage in sex. It is super personal, and it's time for you to be the most psychic that you possibly can be. Um, tell your partner that they can wait. Tease them a lot during that time and get them ready for when it's done because that is a really sacred time of cleansing and detoxing and purging, and you really want to keep it that way. Um, it has nothing to do with you being gross or you being unsanitary. That's not what that's, you know, remember, I don't know if you, back in the day, they used to call pads sanitary napkins. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> this is my sanitary napkin. <laughs> no, it's not about being unsanitary. Um, it's genuinely about keeping your state of spiritual and emotional health stable and steady and not allowing any sort of energy to come in and influence that at all because you are incredibly powerful during that time. So yes, there is some information for you that I strongly encourage you take with you. I know we live in an oversexed culture where everything revolves around sex, uh, which I am plotting an episode on sex for our new moon, and I can't wait because I've had enough of this damn culture and its backwards understanding of sexuality and sex, particularly in the church. Uh, heads up, ladies and gentlemen, human beings are designed to have sex. Okay, that's just how it goes. Um, whatever deity you worship or believe in, guess what? They created an opportunity for two people to experience pleasure that's natural and it's healthy and it's God's sacred gift. And also, heads up, you can have a lot of sex and it's going to be real empty if you don't have intimacy and trust. So I know millennials are in this like weird baby boomer phase where they just like pass through person and like sleep with one another and share germs as if it's irrelevant and they're somehow healing an emotional wound. But I'm here to tell you that's bullshit. All right. That is a crock of shit. 
but anyways, that's for our new moon episode. So we're going to come full circle. Let's take a deep breath and let's talk about the sins and the flaws slash realities of each Enneagram number. As a gentle reminder, this work is copyrighted under the trademark, The Modern Curandera, and you cannot reproduce it or take it in any fashion. And if you do, uh, without asking, um, you are subject to a cease and insist decree and a fine of upwards of $250,000. This material was developed by a licensed mental health professional who has worked with over 1,000 individuals and has been in the mental health field for 13 years which means that um, it is coming from a place of not just uh, mysticism, but rooted um, mental health and spirituality as uh, connected at the same time. I also want to give an homage to the originator of the Enneagram process and pulling all of that mystery and all of that information together, Oscar Ichaso. Thank you so much for your work. Again, I honor you. Thank you for being amazing. And I hope that I can do justice to the original concept of ego and um, motivation that you had uh, provided for us and uh, I hope that I can expand on it in a more modern and relevant way so thank you so much Oscar let's take a deep breath and I'm going to open up an opportunity for us to pray Um, whatever that means to you for me it means just giving a homage to divine creator great spirit and allowing them to honor this sacred space that we share together um, and really bowing um, in honor to divine and recognizing that I am nothing but a vessel um, and here for service of the greater good so let's bow together You are good, you are good, and your love endures. I am grateful for the opportunity to come before you and to acknowledge that there is something greater than myself that I have been asked to honor and submit to. I am grateful that my ego can be placed in check with the recognition that I am not all-knowing. I am grateful that I can be of service to you and to those around us. I am honored that you hold this space for me and that you create opportunity for us to hold space for one another. Thank you so much for your magnitude. Thank you so much for your majesty. Thank you so much for your offering of love, both in masculine and feminine energy. Thank you so much for allowing us the opportunity to come before you when we know that you are beyond us. Thank you for the planets. Thank you for the stars. Thank you for the moon, the satellites. Satellite in my eyes like a diamond. Thank you so much for music. Thank you for peace when we have it. Thank you for the notion that war could cease Thank you for the reality that we are getting better as creatures. Thank you for consciousness and for food. Thank you for the opportunity to decide who we can and who we want to be and where we're going to go. Thank you for allowing us to come out from victimhood and stand steady in survivalism. Thank you so much for the opportunity to rewrite our own story. Thank you so much for the mental health profession and field. Thank you so much for femininity and its capacity to change the planet and to heal the world. Thank you so much for masculinity and and the manner in which it holds steady. Um, that which is in need of steadiness and cannot be contained outside of the masculine way. Thank you so much, God. Amen.
So alas, if you are not familiar with Enneagram, we have been talking about it. So please review our previous episodes. That way you can become familiar with it. And let me refresh your memory with a couple of things. The first thing is Enneagram is pretty cool because one of the things that it focuses on is the sins of each number. In if you grew up in the church in any kind, sin is like a really scary word and it means that you're flawed somewhere. But the reality is, is that's a sensationalized understanding of humanity and um, a manner in which really um, colonizing gained control of people uh, to oppress them and keep them feeling afraid of being true to themselves. This is why we're going to come full, we're going to plant new seeds of sexuality on our new moon because sin is also associated with things like sex and sex is not sinful. Sex is glorious and amazing um, when it's healthy, my friends, okay? Jesus Christ, I can't believe millennials these days. Anyways, don't let me be the grandmother of my generation, but please let me accept the reality that I am. <laughs> um, so we're, you know, a lot of language around natural things and basic things like sex um, is associated with sin. And the reality is, is that that's not true. It's just humanity, right? But we've been shamed to believe that that is sinful. There's nothing sinful about being a human being. It's one of the most beautiful, amazing things that could happen to us, which is why we've been born on planet Earth. Lo and behold, isn't that an interesting thing? Um, your parents or whomever engaged in an act of friction and burst into a, a moment of um, human DNA and that created this beautiful mystery that became you. Isn't that the most fascinating, romantic, beautiful thing on the planet? If you are not incredibly seduced by the notion of making a child, I don't know who you are, but there is nothing more sexier than that, in my opinion. So this m incredible journey of bursting into nothing, <laughs> your mother's womb, for God's sake, yes, your mother had sex, <laughs> and she, um, she, you know grew you and she um made you inside of her belly by nothing more than ruining her body <laughs> and removing her youth which is one of the ways in which culture and the church and colonization has uh, you perpetuated um, the exploitation of sex and utilized and manipulated words like sin to replace the reality of what of what ha was happening, right? So, and I shall expand in our new moon episode, but for now we're going to keep it a bit mysterious. So anyways, um, sin is this word that's really used to shame people and to make them feel like they're never going to be good enough for anything and that maybe God doesn't love them. And you kind of have to walk in this mysterious realm where you don't know if you're a sinner, if you're a saint, because, oh my God, you saw someone and you looked at their butt and now you're going to hell. Well, the reality is, is that you were designed to want to receive pleasure and to give pleasure, um, unless you're an egomaniac, <clears throat> excuse me, and you've lost your ability to uh, want to give pleasure, which is pretty common for our generation. I'm so sorry, but I have to say it. Wait for our new moon episode. So... Sin is also associated with other things too, right? Like, it isn't just you're sinful because you want to have sex. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> now we're going to make a billion dollar industry out of this desire and exploit people even more. <laughs> you sinners. No, it's not just that. It's also other things too. So like, sin um, is also a word for when you maybe aren't telling the, the truth entirely. 
But guess what? You can't always tell the truth, okay? Sometimes you need to keep that shit to your damn self. You can't be going around speaking truth all the time. Trust me, as somebody who has a really hard time not always telling the truth, I can teach you something. God's going to be okay if some of those truths stay within yourself, all right? He's going to be fine. He's not going to be mad about it. Um, Not everything needs to be known. It's just okay. So you're not sinful because you didn't tell all of the truth, okay? Um, It's okay. It's going to be all right. But this doesn't mean I'm advocating for you to lie. There's a difference. It's just withholding information. You know what? I'm not even going to stretch this because I know that people are going to take it somewhere and then they're going to be like, well, I wasn't really lying because I was just withholding information that could have caused or that did cause an incredible amount of harm. Okay. You know what? That is a sin. How dare you? (laughs) There's a difference. Withholding information is causing harm, but not speaking the truth all the time is different and if you don't know the difference then you need to call me or you need to email me priscilla lcsw at gmail.com because i can give you a really great lesson of some psychoeducation on the difference of lying and withholding information that is unnecessary not in information that creates a lie god i'm so disappointed by society sometimes <laughs> Anyways, don't let me be the grandmother of our generation, even though I know I already am. I don't know if you know this, ladies and gentlemen, but I'm secretly 180 years old. (laughs) It's way past my bedtime, by the way. So, you know, sin can also be utilized to describe other things, right? Like, um, so lying is a sin. Um, Wanting to feel pleasure is a sin. Um, what else is sinful? Let's talk about it. Um, hmm. I don't know. I, you know, it's funny because we bypass things like consumerism. That's not a sin. (laughs) You know, it's not a sin for me to exploit slaves. (laughs) That's just capitalism. And God loves capitalism. (laughs) Um, actually, that's pretty damn sinful uh, to exploit a human being for your own shoes you know that's pretty sinful Uh, so that's actually a good example of sin Um, another great example of sin is exploitation of resources I was recently reading an article on NPR about the helium crisis I don't know if you know this but helium is a non um, regenerative element it doesn't ever come back. It can't renew itself, my friends. And it's about to run out. So there's that. Um, that's definitely a sin. God only knows how much we need helium and won't know it until it's completely gone. Um, exploiting the planet. That's a major sin that we often don't think about. Um, being obsessed with yourself. That's a sin. Whenever I get real egoic, Um, I'm stepping into a place of sinfulness, right? Like, it's my flaw. It's my, uh, it's my humanness. I'm trying to love myself extensively because I'm, you know, I lack it somewhere, you know, and that's my sin. So really, I want us to, you know, take a step back and examine the depth of, of that word and how loaded it is and how much it covers, And ultimately, let's boil it down to the reality that we're human and we have lost our way as far as our value system, but we do need to have permission to be imperfect. Okay? So we've lost our value system, but we do need to have permission to be imperfect. And this, again, is this masculine and feminine energy polarity that we lack in our culture as well. Um, You know, masculinity reminds us that we can be imperfect. And femininity reminds us that we need a values system. So masculinity wants to build and create things, right? Like, let's exploit the resource, not exploit, but let's examine this masculine energy. Let me explore. Um, I want to know the depths of the planet. It's very masculine. 
and feminine energy is, okay, well, calm down. God, it's my space. You need to know what you're exploring, and I will tell you what's right and what's not right. And if you don't listen to me, there's going to be a consequence. This very masculine feminine polarity that has been lost in society. And we'll talk about that again on our, uh, our new moon episode and the lack of respect and understanding of masculine feminine energy um, in our sexuality and our understanding of sex. But for the concept of sin, I want us to recognize that it's just a very loaded word. And I don't want us to be afraid of it. And I'm going to use remind you of the words that Oscar uses to describe the sins that I'm going to recall or reframe the flaws slash humanness of each Enneagram number. And then after I read Oscar's, I will tell you um, not only the sins slash humanness of each Enneagram number that I recreated, but I will also identify for you the ego when it's fixed and what that looks like for each number as well as what wisdom can make room for in order to come out from that behavior so i'll go in order um this is oscar Ichazo's original identifications of the um the sins of each enneagram number enneagram one is anger enneagram two is pride enneagram three is deceit enneagram four is envy Enneagram 5 is avarice, Enneagram 6 is fear, Enneagram 7 is gluttony, Enneagram 8 is lust, and Enneagram 9 is sloth. So all of those sound really terrible and nobody wants to be any of those things. Um, I looked up what avarice means and it means greedy. So I don't want to be greedy and I don't want to be fearful and I don't want to be envious and I don't want to be gluttonous and I don't want to be lustful and I don't want to be prideful, angry, slothful, or deceitful. <laughs> Sounds like a really bad case of an, of an egomaniac. <laughs> uh, but guess what? We're all of the above. Isn't that the worst news on the planet? So here's the good news though, right? Um, we don't have to stay that way. That's just how we're going to uh, reveal when we are in our ego space. So now I'm, I'm changing my language, okay? So let me take a minute. I'm going to let us process everything that I just said to you. And I'm going to remind us. Right now, we're switching the dialogue from sin to ego. And we're identifying the behaviors from sinful to human. And the reason why I'm doing that is because it is very human to live in your ego. The ego is the way in which we protect ourselves, And we're going to do that at all costs, no matter what, and no matter where we come from. It's a really interesting thing. It's just human behavior. And it's really not that intimidating or terrible when you just accept it for what it is. Everybody on the planet has an ego. No one is spared of an ego. And even though we live in a delusion that some people have a smaller ego than others, that's not reality. All of us have the same amount of ego as each other. The difference is some of us are aware of it, others are not. Additionally, some of us keep and maintain relationships that help keep our ego in check, some of us do not. That's very important for me to say. There is no such thing as a guru. You are always the guru. The guru is always you. You are the one who has and makes the decision to be the capacity, has the capacity and makes the decision to have the capacity to change. No one else can make that decision for you. This is a constant conflict of the ego. The ego is forever in conflict in this space. What decisions are you going to make 
to refine your ego or expand it? Some of us decide to refine it. Some of us decide to expand it. I love to live in a realm where I refine mine because I have found it makes me a better person. Not in the bed and not in the way where um where I get to walk around and say like see I'm such a good person. No, in the way where I can love better. I'm better at exemplifying to people how to be good. And that's not just because of me. It's because of the people who love me. It's because of the people who love me. And that's not an easy thing to do, by the way. I genuinely am hard to love. By choice. (laughs) It's ridiculous. It's asinine. So be mindful of that. And have grace for yourself. People who you think don't have an ego are full of shit. There's nothing more egotistical than thinking you do not have one. There's nothing more frightening than hearing someone not talk about how they how uh, talk about how they don't have an ego. Oh my god, get me out of that space. For me that is a red flag. That is a red flag, my friends. When you meet someone who who doesn't have flaws, run. Run away <laughs> because that is farce. It's not real. And Enneagram reminds us of that every time. It's important. That's the foundation of why I have utilized this tool throughout this season and will continue to expand on it every full moon until the solstice because it is the foundation of our own healing as a collective. Every single number has a space. No ego is greater or less than the other. And trust me when I tell you, as an eight, all I want to do is think that I'm the best. It's bullshit, my friends. I have amazing friends who love me, who remind me to come out from that ego space and say, look, P, you're fucking tired, dude. Go take a goddamn nap and rest because you're out of your mind right now. And when I tell you that that's the reality of my life, that's the reality of my life. I could present to you this notion that I'm a therapist and I I don't have an ego. I'm doing great all the time. That would be really concerning. And it would be inaccurate. I could present to you, I'm a curandera and I know so much about God. That's really inaccurate. Okay, I could do all of those things, but I'm not going to because that's not I choose to refine my ego instead of expand it. There's constant conflict in your conscious that you will have in this realm forever. Do you make the decision to expand or do you make the decision to refine? I pray for you as a listener of Feminine that you decide to always refine and that you will find in that space true freedom. And I hope Enneagram can help you. So I have renamed the, uh, the ego of the Enneagram and I have re-identified it as well as identified the behaviors. And I will start with Enneagram 1. Enneagram 1, I have re-identified entitlement. This is justified through their inner motivations. Enneagram 1 is motivated by justice, by doing what is right. That's what they love to do. This, of course, can create an ego of entitlement. Enneagram 2 is arrogance. This is justified through the compulsion to serve. Enneagram 2 is compelled to serve others, which can create a notion of arrogance that they are the best at serving. That is an ego space. Enneagram 3 ego is lying. This is justified through the lack of self-awareness. Enneagram 3 is obsessed with 
maintaining appearance for the better, right? That's the capitalism way. And this can result in an ego of lying in order to maintain a presentation of having it all together. Enneagram 4, the ego is victimization. This is justified through the desire to exploit emotion. Enneagram 4 is obsessed with feeling. It gets to the point where all they do is want to feel and they cannot climb out of their victimhood. This is why they become um, the ego space of victimization. Enneagram 5 is possessiveness. This is justified through the ability to protect the self. Enneagram 5 can become uh, obsessed with their ability to have space and boundaries and to protect um, the things that matter most to them. And this can result in an ego of being possessive. Enneagram 6 ego is unwillingness, which is justified through the ability to self-sacrifice. Enneagram 6 is incredibly loyal, a great friend. They have the ability to uh, befriend anyone. And because of this, they justify with their ego, their unwillingness to do things. This is their ego space. I want to come back to um, Enneagram 3 for a minute because I don't think I did it justice when I stated that they justify their ego through their lack of self-awareness. I want to reframe that for you quickly and I want to identify that Enneagram 3 is really good at um, presenting properly. presenting to um, to maintain quality of life. Because of that, that is how they justify their ability to lie. They justify it through their desire to maintain proper presentation for the betterment of society. That is when they stay in their ego space of lying and that's how they justify it. I'm going to jump back up to Enneagram 7. Enneagram 7 ego is restlessness. This is justified through their ability to play. Enneagram 7 loves to play. They're so silly. (laughs) You will always hear me talk fondly about Enneagram 7 because my very best friend on the planet is an Enneagram 7. And I love her so much. And she makes life so good. And I'm blessed to know you. So I just love you with all my heart. And you know who you are. Um, but this, but this um, refusal to stop playing uh, becomes the ego sin of being restless. Um, and that's where Enneagram 7 can go in their ego. And they justify that they need to play because play is the best. Why wouldn't I always want to be having fun? What? I That's like the best thing on the planet. I know it is, but you need to rest, right? So um, Enneagram 7's ego can really come into a place of restlessness, and that can be hard for them to come out from. Enneagram 8 ego is controlling, and this is justified through their ability to uh, refuse that they feel pain. They refuse to feel pain uh, to the extent that they will control everything around them in order to accept the fact that they're in pain. I can assure you, it is absolutely absurd. I'm not trying to offend any Enneagram 8s. I am only speaking from my own experience. I do not understand this ego space, but it is exactly what we do. We will control to the nth degree any possible thing that we can uh, because we refuse to accept that things hurt. Nope, not me. I'm not. Nope, I'm fine. It's absurd. Enneagram 8 has learned, uh, in my life, I've learned a great deal from Enneagram 9 on just admit that you feel pain. It's not a problem. (laughs) Uh, It's so funny. So that's Enneagram 8's ego space, controlling. 
Enneagram 9, recklessness. This, uh, the Enneagram 9 can become reckless with, uh, in their ego space, and that is justified through their ability to refuse fault. Enneagram 9 loves to deny and avoid, and this can result in a lot of recklessness in the ego space. So uh, now that I have identified and reframed for you the egos, which I will recap briefly, nine, recklessness, eight, controlling, seven, restlessness, six, unwillingness, five, possessiveness, four, victimization, three, lying, two, arrogance, one, entitlement. Previously, these have been identified as sins. I am re-identifying them as egos. I now would like to point you to the behaviors that can result from these ego-motivated spaces within ourselves. And I will start with Enneagram 1 and go up. Egoic behaviors from entitlement, Enneagram 1 moves to judgment. Egoic behavior from Enneagram 2, arrogance, moves to codependence. Enneagram ego space three of lying moves to the behavior of conceit. Enneagram four ego space of victimization moves to the behavior of depression. Enneagram five ego space of possessiveness moves to the space of the behavior of greed. Enneagram six ego space of unwillingness moves to the behavior of spineless. Enneagram 7, ego space of restlessness, moves to the behavior of calculated. Enneagram 8, ego space of controlling, moves to the behavior of spiteful. Enneagram 9, ego space of recklessness, moves to the behavior of apathetic. Let's take a breath. We're going to inhale for four seconds, exhale for seven, or excuse me, hold it for seven and exhale for eight. Are you ready? Let's breathe, church. One more time. I deeply hope that me providing this new modern version of Enneagram can help create a space of peace and clarity for you. From a mental health perspective, I believe and hope that it can provide a sense of prevention into furthering a behavior that may have already caused and or is causing pain to yourself ultimately. I don't, excuse me, I don't want to say that we don't want to cause harm to others because of course we never do, but unless we look at the self first and choose to refine that ego space, we're not going to be able to stop causing harm to others. It's just how it goes. And that's that internal conflict that I've been talking about, right? Where the ego can either decide to refine itself or to expand itself, And my prayer for you is that you decide to refine yourself. And I pray that this information can be helpful for you in doing that. As we wrap up, I'd like to remind you what wisdom can make room for in the context of the pain that we may have caused others because we are not aware of how we have caused it within ourselves. Enneagram 1 Wisdom makes room for you to release the conviction. Enneagram 2, wisdom makes room for you to redefine service. Enneagram 3, wisdom makes room for you to remove the self from the equation. Enneagram 4, wisdom makes room for you to admit the truth. Enneagram 5, 
Wisdom makes room for you to simplify the clutter. Enneagram 6, wisdom makes room for you to step up to the plate. Enneagram 7, wisdom makes room for you to talk it out. Enneagram 8, wisdom makes room for you to accept the pain. Enneagram 9, wisdom makes room for you to take ownership. Many blessings to you on this lovely full moon in Taurus, my incredible, beautiful church. I am blessed to be here with you. It is my honor to hold this space to you. I bow in reverence to everybody here who is listening. Thank you so much for um, being here with me and holding this space for me. I am truly um, in such a great place and know that you will only continue to hear me heal and recover from my own um, experiences in this life because I have decided to step into a place of egoic refinement and know it has not been easy and has come with a great deal of sadness and shame for me. But as um, from a licensed clinical social worker who has worked with over a thousand human beings and has started three nonprofits and has restructured an eight-figured nonprofit and um, has brought in millions and expanded profit margins by 200% within a year and has done all of these things that seem super incredible and miraculous and, oh my God, how did she do it? You know what? I can tell you that I'm a human being. And just like I give myself permission to heal, um, I want to give you permission to do the same. And I want you to know that you are beloved by divine and have an incredible purpose on this planet. Even if it's just making a little podcast where you get to redefine what church is for God's sake, you know, own it and be proud of who you are and where you come from. I am in, it's just a blessing, right? Um, it's just a blessing. We are blessed to be here with one another. Relationships are all we have, my friends. <laughs> it's all we have. Um, it's all we have. If you have a best friend uh, and you can go get a beer and eat a little dinner and make out afterwards, you are good to go. That is all you need. Um, well, I mean, I... I have my children, and I definitely feel, well, I don't, do I need my children? Well, my children need me. <laughs> I don't think I need my children, but they certain my ego needs my children. My ego needs my children. So, yes, ultimately I do. You're right. Okay, I hear you. I hear you, St. Francis. I hear you, okay. My children refine my ego, and that is why I need them. Um, they're a part of my relationship bracket. <laughs> and that, that that's... Um, you know, that's all we have. So in that context, I step out from this notion of just needing a best friend and realizing that we need lots of relationships, right, to refine us. And um, that includes um, our loved ones that we maybe don't get to have dinner and a beer with or, you know, we take care of. That could be our ancestors, our elders, you know, there's pain in that struggle, but there's also egoic refinement in caring for loved ones who can't care for themselves. And that is an egoic need. We do need to be of service. We do. It's a part of the human construct. Oh, speaking of which, um, before I end, and shout out to our new moon episode where we will plant seeds of sexuality, um, I want to take a moment to honor the veterans, not only in my own life, but across the planet. If you don't know, the world is stuck between an ironic agony of war and peace, and I believe that femininity can bring a healing dialogue between the two, war representing masculinity, peace representing femininity, and really there needing to be a moment to come together to recognize that we should strategize and create something new. 
um, in Anabaptist tradition, this would be called the third way. So anyways, I hope feminine can serve to be a third way for you. Um, and I hope that the manner in which we can do that is by recognizing that um, people who put their lives on the line uh, to fight for other people are very admirable. And it's a privilege to be angry at a country um, that keeps you safe. It's a privilege to stand in a place of um, anarchy. Those are all privileges. And if we don't know those things, then we're not aware of what really comes with sacrifice. So I have worked with a number of veterans. I have a handful of veterans in my life, including my beloved, amazing father, whom I adore, um, whom my amazing mother loved and nurtured. And uh, if it were not for my father's sacrifice and my grandfather's sacrifice and the sacrifice of my uncles, including my great uncle, Eugene, I would not be here to talk to you about the value of knowing your privilege, including not having to fear for your life and or living in a country where you have the opportunity to be um, able to decide what you want for your future. While there are systems at play that need to be combated consistently, the reality is we live in a country that has a judicial system of checks and balances and that is incredibly rare. So please give homage to the people who um, serve. It is incredibly important, and they deserve your respect. And this is coming from a woman who advocates for nonviolence. Shout out to Grant Hine, my little brother. I love you so much. Thank you so much for your service. I miss you dearly. Um, I'll see you soon, buddy. And... Um, Shout out to every single veteran that I have worked with in my career. You are very special to me, and I see you, and I honor you, and I am grateful for you. Many blessings to you, my friends. See you on our next episode. If you would like to engage the feminine dialogue, please feel free to send an email to Priscilla Hine, LCSW at gmail.com. Additionally, when you search for us on Apple Podcasts or share us with your friends, remind them and yourself to give us a five-star rating. <laughs>